Our reading is from Acts uh, chapter 4, verses 1 to 22. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or by what name do you do this? Then Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is, quote, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What are we going to do? About these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who had been miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Christians can be subject to intense pressure to conform to the pattern of this world rather than being transformed by the renewal of our minds. And the world frowns upon anyone who spreads the name of Jesus. Our reading from Acts, which offers a model for resisting conformity and embracing both personal transformation in 
and the public proclamation of Jesus Christ. It follows after the healing of that lame man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. When this beggar had asked Peter and John for money, Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Having instigated this public miracle in the name of Jesus Christ, Peter takes the opportunity to publicly claim the good news centred upon the resurrection of Jesus, whose name in Hebrew, Joshua, of course, means God saves. And all this draws attention from the Jewish sect that ran the temple, the Sadducees. The Sadducees rejected the oral traditions of the Pharisees and considered only the written Torah and the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, as valid. They considered the concepts of immortality and resurrection as innovations, believing in no life beyond this life. More important than their theology, however, was their political orientation, coming largely from the the landed aristocracy amongst Jews, their concern was to make peace with the Romans, preserving the status quo and thus protecting their holdings. So Peter and John's message contradicts the defining beliefs and raison d'etre of the Sadducees. They are arrested for disturbing the peace and are put in jail until the next day when they're brought before a meeting of the very same court that contrived to have Jesus executed. Unable to deny that the beggar has been healed, the Sanhedrin, the kind of supreme court of Judaism, seeks to delegitimize the source of that healing, asking Peter, by what power or what name do you do this? This is a pivotal moment. Luke's Gospel records how, having followed the arrested Jesus into the high priest's house, Peter responded to servants linking him to his teacher and, uh, and disowned him three times. Have a look in Luke 22. And now, here's Peter facing the high priest himself and boldly proclaiming, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, salvation is found in no one else. Luke highlights the contrast with Peter's formal denial when he reports the council's ominous recognition that these men had been with Jesus. So what accounts for Peter's transformation? And what can we learn from him about loyalty to Jesus under pressure. Well, between Peter's frightened repudiation of any association with Jesus and his bold um, provocation of the council that had condemned Jesus, lies Jesus' resurrection. 
and of course his gracious reinstatement of Peter to the responsibilities of leadership within the early church. Have a look at John chapter 21. Because of the resurrection, Peter has been convinced that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and that he is the good shepherd, a description with divine and messianic connotations, a good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, as Jesus said. It's worth noting that when Jesus described himself as the good shepherd, the word translated as good in the Greek is kalos, refers not merely to that which is good, but to that which is beautiful. Kalos refers to that which is truly worthy, lovely, praiseworthy. That which is objectively good to appreciate. This classical understanding of the, the interwoven values of truth and goodness and beauty is endorsed by the Apostle Paul when he urges Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Philippians 4.8 As the contemporary Christian philosopher John Cottingham explains, truth and beauty and goodness carry with them a sense of requirement or demand. The true is that which is worthy of belief. The beautiful is that which is worthy of admiration. And the good is that which is worthy of choice. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit of truth, presents the gospel by arguing that it abounds in all three dimensions of value. He argues that the salvation offered in Jesus is beautiful, a gift of divine grace that ultimately offers wholeness, shalom, a wholeness signified by the healing of the lame beggar at gate beautiful. Indeed, the Greek word for heal and save in verses 9 and 12, sozo, can mean any aspect of the whole range of, of rescuing from physical healing to ultimate salvation in the afterlife. In verse 9, it denotes the physical healing. In verse 12, it refers to ultimate salvation. Peter also argues that the salvation offered in Jesus is good. word translated as must in verse 12 means both that which is of practical necessity and that which is only right and proper. But above all, Peter argues that the salvation offered in Jesus is true. The status as Jesus as the name by which we must be saved is demonstrated by his resurrection, by his fulfilment of messianic prophecy, and by his ongoing miraculous works. Peter's healing of the lame man in the name of Jesus Christ recalls both Jesus' own healings and the prophetic tradition that at Israel's redemption the lame will, quote, leap like a deer. Isaiah 35.6. To highlight this connection, Luke chooses to describe the formerly lame man as jumping, using the same rare verb used in the Greek Septuagint translation of Isaiah 35.6. 
Thus, when Peter informs the Sanhedrin that the lame man's healing comes by the name of Jesus Christ, his argument is that if Jesus is healing, then he's alive, vindicated by God, and the members of the Sanhedrin council are culpable for his death. Moreover, for an audience that's familiar with the claim of Roman emperors to the title of Sota, Saviour, the mention of salvation, Soteria, suggests a contrast between the imperial power that controls the temple officials and the divine power working through Jesus. As in Psalm 118, that's quoted in verse 11, true power and authority come not from worldly empire, but from God's power here exercised in the name of the risen Jesus. Now this wasn't a conclusion that the Sadducee-dominated Sanhedrin was disposed to welcome. However well the informally educated Peter and John argue for it. As their reaction shows, these men were more interested in preserving their own control than in serving the authority of God. Nevertheless, Peter and John's conviction that salvation revealed in Jesus Christ was beautiful, good and true, gave them the courage to reject the court's insistence that they speak no longer to anyone in this name. Indeed, Luke presents Peter's persuasive articulation of the gospel as beautiful and good and true, as crucial to the growth of Christianity in those early days, noting that many who heard the message believed. So as we seek today the countercultural resolve to maintain our allegiance to Jesus against worldly inducements and pressures to the contrary, and to boldly advocate Jesus as the way of salvation, we too can take heart from Luke's record of how Peter and John rose to the very same challenge. Amen.